from Jordan-Hare Stadium to Auburn Arena. From the Plains to the recruiting trail and all points in between. If it's Auburn, we've got it covered. Did I say War Eagle or War Eagle? That's it? War Eagle. This is the Auburn Undercover Podcast with Brandon Marcello. Hello, everyone. What's going on? Hope you're having a good day, good week. It's been a busy week here in February, nearing the end of February, the shortest month of the year. Uh, for us at Auburn Undercover, football's not going on, but uh, bro, we broke a story this week on the Deep South's oldest rivalry moving from November, mid-November to October. Auburn and Georgia, starting in 2020, are not going to play in November anymore. They're moving up earlier in the schedule. It looks like the first week of October starting in 2020 to help alleviate scheduling issues for Auburn where they've had to face rivals Georgia and Alabama uh, in the span of three weeks and do so both on the road in even years. Uh, that, that's that been going on since 2012, as most of you know. But uh, a move that was kind of implemented by Auburn, pushed by Auburn, and Georgia was okay with it. In fact, Kirby Smart, the head coach, was okay with it. And Georgia was on board. The SEC was on board. And apparently the 14 member institutions, or the 12 other member institutions, as I say, in the SEC, were also on board. So a huge change. Uh, for the first time since 1936, both rivals playing outside of the month of November in the regular season. Of course, we're not counting the SEC championship game. Kind of crazy to think about, but change is, change is coming. And uh, we reported that they're first at Auburn Undercover on Tuesday. The uh, Georgia president confirmed our report on Wednesday, and now the ball's moving, and things are going to about to change for football uh, on the scheduling front. Uh, this week, though, also, uh, Auburn Undercover, my, myself, we, we had a chance, the opportunity to sit down with Auburn Athletics Director Alan Green uh, for a one-on-one interview. If you guys remember, we, we spoke to him back in uh, August for our Driving Planes video series just to discuss how kind of how his first six months had been on, on the planes and everything and trying to get his ideas that he has for Auburn out. Um, now it's been a year, a uh, complete year since he's been at Auburn, since he's replaced Jay Jacobs as the, as the, as the athletics director. And it kind of went by quietly on the calendar. Um, if you remember, he kind of started working February 1st, but his official start date of really running the department, uh, come to find out was actually February 18th. And so, one year and one day later, February 19th, 2019, we sat down with him for a one-on-one interview in his office. And you can read the complete transcript uh, at auburnundercover.com or auburn.247sports.com. It's up for VIP subscribers. But I wanted to share some audio clips from our discussion uh, inside of his office. So you, you got to kind of get a better feel for the inflection in his voice, uh, uh, the meaning in his voice, and let you decide from there kind of what he thinks about things. Obviously, you can go by words on paper, but 
hearing someone say it gives you a, I, I would think a better uh, understanding of where someone's coming from. Uh, I, I thought that the conversation went very well. I, I, what was very interesting to me was the portion of conversation where we spoke not about facilities, which we've written about plenty this week at allrunnercover.com, um, and you'll hear about here in this podcast, but was his relationship with Gus Malzahn and what was going on in December. Now, as I've written, you have to understand, Alan Green's not the type of athletics director who's just going to volunteer information or go in depth with you about what's happening behind the scenes, particularly when it involves something as uh, uh, private as personnel matters, especially when what Auburn Undercover and others were reporting what was going on in December as some powerful boosters and others were trying to find a way to push Gus Malzahn out as the head coach. Um, and meanwhile, Alan Green is kind of caught in the middle of it as an athletics director who's less than a year on the job. We talked a little bit about that, or at least I try to get him to talk about it, but his answers are interesting. Um, and I wanted to start with that. I just want to jump right into this conversation this is audio from my conversation with Alan Green discussing Gus Malzahn, his relationship with the coach, his understanding of the coach, and how Gus is just a little bit different, and maybe he's a little misunderstood. Gus is incredibly smart. He he is he sees things um, as it relates to football like I've never. I've not been around someone or I've not been around someone that smart when it comes to football. Um, he is incredibly passionate about his players. Um, he's incredibly competitive. Uh, doesn't cuss. Sometimes our meetings are hard. And I, uh, he's someone he, he cares deeply about Auburn and he loves he loves this place. Um, you know, I think he's misunderstood. Is not the right word. Um, I don't think people have a. I don't think. I don't think people have a, had a chance to kind of get to know him. Have you ever thought about trying to tell him that? Oh, we have conversation. Like, so, go do this. Uh, go to Byron's Smokehouse on a Friday morning and have breakfast. Yeah. So, so, so. I mean, not telling him how to live his life. <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds like a, you know, a PR person yeah. with the president or something. I'll, 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 share, I'll share with you. Gus and I are incredibly candid with one another. And he, he knows he's introverted. Um, I've seen him be extroverted. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and I told him more people need to see that side of him. Uh, and he, and he, he knows that. And, and he's, you know, he, we are working on our relationship together. Um, he knows that I'm, I'm support, I support him and I have his back and he yeah. knows I want nothing but the best for him in his football program. Um, you know, he was at the, he was at the basketball game on, was that Wednesday night? Last Wednesday? Mm-hmm. Um, so he was at that game, right? Um, halftime, he went down into the, uh, uh, the, the lounge, um, the Pearson lounge and didn't emerge until after the game. So like he's, He's around, he's visible, he's doing that stuff. 
But what, what I don't think people understand fully enough is that the demand on our coaches' time between recruiting, dealing with existing players, you know, preparing game planning, um, thinking about organizational structure, um, hiring people, like like staff changes, like it is so difficult yeah. to try to be everywhere. Um, but he knows that there are times when he's got to be out there, yeah. and and I, don't be surprised if we see him out there longer. He was there after the game. Was your relationship with him trying it all in December? Yeah. I know you were supportive of him, but our, our website, I'm not self-specifically supporting, but there had to be some concessions made on his end. He's since said that that's not true, he wasn't hamstrung, that there's not a net zero sum that he's got to reach whenever he's sure. replacing staff members and all that. Has there been so, any discussions about that? Any concessions made? No. So, so I, I want to clear the record here because he won't talk about it on the record. But you're his boss. You you run the department. What what's going on there? And what's the relationship like with him and, and the financial support and the uh, the administration support for him? And has anything changed since November? December? No. So so he, he and I, like I said, we, we have conversations. We have conversations every week. Um, Every Monday, right? Yeah, yeah, and often more, yeah. more often than that. Sure, yeah. Whether things are going well or not yeah. well, yeah. Um, and a lot of it is, he's got to get me up to speed, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so I try to be around an awful lot. Uh, so we, we we continue to have conversations about um, the way he wants to run the program, so that I understand, so I can help him. The great part about our relationship that we've developed is, I don't. I don't tell him what to do. I'm merely asking questions to help make sure that he's thinking about different aspects of things. Um, but as the football, as the head football coach, it's his responsibility to navigate it how he feels like it's in his best interest. I'm there merely as guardrails, um, just to help make sure that it stays in the lane. But have you had, had any serious conversations about things just because of the uproar? We always have that. Every conversation we have is serious. I mean, December, <laughs> in December, there were so many people, powerful people, always in their minds trying to sure. push them out. No, I get that. You know, when here's, here's I think, the difference. And I, I've taken some time to kind of think about these things. It's not a record that people were upset with. And when I say people, I'm going to include everybody. Sure. The team, the coaches, Gus, me, my kids, like everybody, right? Community. We, our expectations for football are so high that when you don't meet those expectations, and I, I've shared this before, but when you don't meet those expectations, it's like the world is crumbling. It's not crumbling. Auburn ain't going nowhere. We're going to have football here, right? We're going to be successful. But to operate at such a high clip all the time is really, really challenging. And then you add to that, of course, the success that, you know, that, that Alabama's having, the success that Georgia's having, you know, Clemson's had success. And we're like, why aren't we having that? It's not easy. One would argue, though, 
part of the reason why they're having that success is because they put so much money into their football program and built facilities and done so quickly. A&M with their $160 million sure. renovation sure. stadium. Sure. Florida's doing some things. Georgia, obviously. Yeah. Uh, LSU. I would. I, I would. I would. I'd make the statement. I mean, there are. There are. There are. Well, not everything. Um, there are. There are lots of ingredients to a successful program, mm-hmm. and there's lots of ingredients on why the program's not successful. And so, it, I, I don't believe that it's it's one or two or even three things. I think it's a combination of all these things hitting at the right time and able to sustain all those things at the right time for right. a period. Yeah, sure. It allows you to do it. And, you know, you have hiccups and you've got other stuff and you've got noise and you've got this and you've got that. And that, that creates some difficult dynamics. And so, what we're trying to do is... You know, obviously the program last year didn't go like we wanted it to. Um, how do we get back to neutral quickly? And then how do we then advance? So you've got Alan Green saying briefly, no, he didn't have any issues with his relationship with Gus Malzahn back in December when all that was going on and how he's fully supporting him and moving forward, echoing, at least in part, his full support for Gus Malzahn that we were told back in, in November when we interviewed him. And also President Stephen Leith in November. But meanwhile, in behind the scenes, boosters were a little upset with what was going on with the program. They had won seven regular season games. They had fallen completely out of the top 10, the top 25, after starting the season with a victory against Washington. Difficult times. A split fan base, a fractured fan base that... I'm not sure has quite come together, obviously, since the end of the season after beating Purdue in the Music City Bowl 63-14. But things have quieted down because everybody realizes Gus Malzahn's the coach for next season. And meanwhile, he's made changes with the staff. Others have left, including Greg Brown, the secondary coach. He's brought back in crime dog Wes McGriff, uh, the former Ole Miss defensive coordinator, to be the secondary coach and to help with the defense and to help with recruiting. Kenny Dillingham's now the offensive coordinator instead of Chip Lindsey. And Cadillac Williams is the running backs coach. Uh, We'll see how it all works out next season, but obviously it's a crucial year. And in speaking to Allen, he mentions that, you know, this isn't the end of the world that Auburn's losing. But obviously they've got to start winning, (laughs) you know, they, they, they've got to start winning for Gus Malzahn to survive. I understand him saying, you know, Auburn's not going anywhere. But I brought up the point of, well, it's not going anywhere, but it also doesn't seem to be moving up in the world when it comes to facilities. And not just the football-only complex that's been discussed, and certainly sounds like it's on the fast track of happening here in the next three years, as he told me. But other facilities around campus. What's what's going to happen to the Coliseum? What about Jordan-Hare Stadium? Jordan-Hare Stadium has not had a re- major renovation and upgrade and expansion uh, since 1987. The, the big thing there, though, uh, I've been told, is that they're not going to expand. If anything, they're going to downsize. And you're seeing that across stadiums across the nation because – One, it's harder to bring people in on game days to spend all the money because it's so much easier to watch on TV. The the 
the the uh, experience of watching on TV is so much different than it was 15, 20 years ago. It's like you're there. Um, you don't have to worry about traffic or tailgating, paying all these prices. They're talking about more like load seating, common seating areas, people moving around from seat to seat. Um, but this is all stuff that he is ready to, I guess, how can I put this, start figuring out and discussing more with a master plan for facilities at Auburn. And there hasn't been one that's been really been released publicly, at least for me. I mean, I haven't been around Auburn like a lot of you as fans for my entire life. I've only been here for six years now. And, <coughs> excuse me, covering the SEC for about 10 or 11 years. But uh, I don't recall there being a huge master plan released by Auburn that – looked at every single facility on campus and what they plan to do in the next 10 to 15 years. Well, Alan Green's putting one together, and typically with a first-year AD, one's usually released within the first two years of their tenure. Well, he plans to release one in August. We'll at least have one together. Alan talked a little bit more about that with me. I would love to develop a facilities master plan that articulates the big picture of where we want Auburn athletics to be in 10 years or so. And not that we are going to do specifically this project that includes these list of bullet points, but more so just to give people a a general understanding of here are our areas of focus. Potentially here are our priorities And potentially, here's how much we think that things would cost if we were to do X, Y, or Z. Certainly, all those things are dependent upon funding. And we are interwoven within the rest of the university. And so it's all got to tie in. And we won't know those things until we get a couple years out on something. But at least so that people have an an idea of, of, of where we're heading. And obviously... Nothing that would be set in stone, but just to give people an idea. It'll be interesting to see what exactly is contained in that master plan should they release it to the public, which I believe they will, um, specifically as it relates to Jordan-Hare Stadium, because it certainly, from talking to him, doesn't sound like anything big is going to happen, or at least is in the books for it, because the days of massively expanding stadiums are over in college football. People are downsizing a little bit. They're bringing in new amenities. They're uh, opening things up along the concourse so you can see the field. And, of course, as we know, there have been failed attempts, multiple failed attempts, to renovate Jordan-Hare Stadium. Jay Jacobs, uh, the former athletics director here at Auburn for 13 years, one of his final big pushes was to try and put together a $145 million project, which according to people I spoke to, was approaching $200 million, if not eclipsing it, just to tear down the north end zone and erect a new one that would have uh, more suites and and, and, and loge seating uh, and, and a big video board, of course, <laughs> on that end zone, um, which ended up actually changing. He's going to put two video screens up there instead of one big one. Anyway, it was a big mess. They went through the design phase two times, maybe three times. They spent, uh, at the very least, $100,000, but I believe it was much more than that, 
uh, on the design phase of everything. They went to the board of trustees with it, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, and of course, it never happened. There was a situation where he was hoping to start building it uh, in 2016 and have it done by the 2018 season. Of course, that was all nixed by the board. No one was really happy with it. Uh, it seemed to be, be something that was very expensive for not much uh, uh, return, especially for a stadium that is older, of course, and needs to be renovated throughout, not just put a new north end zone in. They need to renovate everything, uh, very similar to what other stadiums across the SEC are doing. Uh, at Arkansas, they're renovating uh, and adding a new end zone seating, which I believe goes up this season after a couple of years of working on it. Mississippi State did that to their stadium. In fact, Auburn based a lot of their initial design plans on expansion, or not expansion, but renovation of the north end zone uh, on what Mississippi State did when they built a new end zone seating at their football stadium a few years back. Um, in fact, a lot of uh, end zone seating now looks a lot like what Arkansas is putting up and Mississippi State's putting up, where there's like common areas, like a lot, pretty much like a large platform where people can just stand and watch the game and, and kind of drink. Uh, well, I guess you can't drink alcohol, but uh, drink and eat and stand at tables and, and oversee the game from the end zone. Uh, that's kind of the thinking of the new for the next generation. And that's something uh, Auburn and Alan Green are discussing. They just don't quite know what it would look like and what they would exactly do, if that would mean tearing an end zone down or whatever. He says they just don't quite know what the stadium's going to look like in 15 years, but they're thinking about it. Then, of course, there's the other facilities across campus. But the point he kept making to me was that the number one item on the list is building this football-only complex, which I'm not going to play audio on because it's clear. He wants that football-only complex in three years. They're going to try and get it done. Uh, fundraising has been going well, maybe not as well as he wants, but it's been going well enough. And I think they're going to start moving the ball down the field on this pretty quickly. And when they do that, when they start building the football-only complex and when it finally opens within the next three years, it'll allow Auburn to start moving some other pieces of the puzzle. A lot of folks are still stationed in the from the athletics department inside Beardy's Coliseum. Uh, there are classrooms in there, uh, departments. Um, radio and sales, I believe, are still in there. Uh, the track team uses Beardy's Coliseum to practice for their indoor season. Um, so their plan is, is to keep the current athletics complex that was built in 1989 and retrofit it and redo a lot of things inside once the football program moves out of it and they move out of the locker rooms and their, and their meeting spaces and everything and move those folks over from Beardy's Coliseum to the athletics complex, free up the space, and then that'll allow the university to finally decide what they are ultimately going to do with Beardy's Coliseum. Because for the longest time, it's just been, hey, let's blow the thing up, do more parking or put, you know, another athletics complex there or a football-only facility. But that's down the line, and that's something that cannot happen until Auburn builds a football-only complex. And when they start doing that, the football-only complex, excuse me, that's when they can start focusing on other projects around campus. And there are other projects going on right now. Softball and baseball, they're building player facilities right now. 
Uh, Equestrian, of course, just got a big upgrade. Um, but there's question, and, and and the basketball arena is getting a four million dollar, or I think it's four million dollars. Uh, it's a multi million dollar renovation of their locker rooms and expansion for their men's and women's teams. And that arena is what you know, less than ten years old. So uh, they're they're doing some things. It's just that the other sports have got to be touched on, but it doesn't appear that's going to happen until that football only facility goes up. And when does that happen? I th- I think based off the conversations I've had with with Alan Green and others, it's going to happen within the next three years. So that's progress. The football-only facility is something Auburn fans have been wanting for, I would say, probably a decade. Gus Malzahn had an opportunity to have one built back in 2014. After the 2013 season when Auburn went to the national championship game, he was pretty much asked, what do you need to be more successful? And I talked to him afterward. I was like, why, why not build a football facility? And he said he was fine with what they had. It it it, it, uh, it kind of dumbfounded me at the moment. Because at this point, Auburn could have been in a, a new football facility for the last like three years. Um, and it never happened. And now here we are, you know, pushing it down the line six years later with a new athletics director um, who's having to really kind of clean up some things from the previous administration, number one, and try to get this football facility done. It's his number one thing on his list, and he's trying to get it done while he's also, one, getting acclimated to Auburn still. But he told me, listen, year two, as his as an athletics director, after you know becoming acclimated with Auburn, the political structure, administration, his his employees, the players, the fans, the boosters. Year two is when he st- you start implementing things. That's when you start implementing your philosophy and you start making headway on projects. And I think this is the year you're going to start seeing the ball rolling, as I mentioned, specifically with that football facility. Alan Green spoke more about what his first year was like and what it's going to be like going into year two as Auburn's athletics director. It, it takes a year at minimum to really kind of understand the landscape. You know, so in fact, we just had a head coach's meeting this morning and we were, we were kind of just talking about that and what I needed, what they expected from me and, and what, what else I could do or what I wasn't doing enough of or whatever. Just help them help, help me understand um, where I can be better and better serve them. And one of our coaches made the point of, you know, like like a coach, when you take over a program that first year, you're just you're reacting to a whole bunch of different stuff. And you're trying to figure out who your players are, who your assistant coaches are, uh, who's better served and, you know, in what role and how do I coach them? And he's like, Alan, you're 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 in that world right now. And as you come out of that corner you're going to be at a point where you can actually start to say, okay, I want it, I want it to look this way. And let's start to, and let's start to kind of craft the structure and the philosophy to get where it reflects a little bit more of, of my leadership style. And some of those things have already occurred behind the scenes that you and the general public wouldn't know anything about. Um, but then there's some other big picture stuff that, that, We've got to start to uh, we've got to start to make progress on, and and we we are. 
You can read Alan Green's full interview with Auburn Undercover at auburnundercover.com or auburn.247sports.com, part of the 24 Sports Network. I recommend you go check it out. Some good stuff there from Alan Green. We also have a couple of stories uh, from him uh, concerning his master plan for facilities and the football-only complex. Plus, we have details on uh, the return of Crime Dog as a secondary coach, Auburn and Georgia moving from November to October in the 2020 season, and all the recruiting you can handle all at auburn.247sports.com. Thanks for joining me for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you didn't, don't don't tell anybody. Just don't tell anyone. But if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast so you get updates delivered to your phone, your computer, whatever you use to listen to podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. I hope you enjoy it. We'll be back next week with a roundtable episode with myself, Philip Marshall, Keith Niebuhr, and Ron Sanders. We'll see you down the road. No one has it covered like 24-7 sports. Go undercover with Auburn Undercover. Undercover.